All right, turn with me to Exodus 2. We'll have prayer, and then we're going to cover just the first portion of Exodus 2 this evening. Father, we are grateful again for an opportunity we have to close out another Lord's Day. We thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to worship you, for the messages, for the recognition of uh, our graduates. We do continue to pray for them. As I look back over the many years that you've blessed us with and graced us with here at Flat Creek, we've seen a number of young people um, graduate and go on to accomplish uh, a number of great things, and we praise you for that. We do ask, Lord, that uh, you would be with the ones that have been brought to our attention this evening. Again, we lift Roy and Deborah up to you. We pray that you would intervene on his behalf. We pray for Brett's sister tonight. We pray for Megan Edwards, and there are others, Father. In fact, there are many that are on our prayer list. Pray for the families that are uh, bereaved due to the loss of loved ones. And we do ask that you would guide and be with our students and with our children this evening as they're studying the Word. And then open the Word of God to us this evening as well as we continue to look at the introduction to the book of Exodus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, a few weeks ago we read through chapter 1 and a little review here in a moment. But I want to read down through... Uh, from verse 1 of chapter 2 down through verse 10. And then there's a break because about almost 40 years pass. So let's read that. <clears throat> and a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him daubed it with uh, asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid it in the, in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along uh, the riverside and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went, called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. So a, a familiar passage, or at least the story is familiar. I'm not sure how many times we read it, but the story is familiar. And, of course, when we were children, um, it was one of those, uh, I remember when I was a kid, one of the flannel graph type things, Moses and, and, the, uh, and the bulrushes and all the activity that occurred during this time. But there are some very interesting things here that uh, prepare, uh, begin to prepare Moses for uh, the life that uh, the Lord had in his providence prepared for him. 
the last time we looked at uh, chapter 1, I reminded you that uh, God used Pharaoh's foolish wisdom. Now, he was certainly one of the most educated men in Egypt at that time, but his, his, uh, his theological uh, education was very much lacking. He was a naturalist. He was an animalist. He was a pagan. And so he was driven by superstition and by emotion. And we're seeing, uh, um, we have for a number of years now, seeing a return to that. And that's one of the things that happens when people don't turn to the word of the Lord and become involved in uh, good churches that uh, preach and teach the word of God. So God had uses natural laws to accomplish his, uh, to accomplish his will. And one of the natural laws that he uses or he allows is, the, is the, a natural law of sin, or at least as it, it exists today. So he used the foolishness of Pharaoh to prepare for the birth of Moses. And because of the uh, exponential growth of the Hebrew children, uh, the latter part of chapter 1, Pharaoh institutes uh, infanticide. And we have uh, we've begun to do that in our own country. So I would continue to admonish you to pray for our Supreme Court and apparently the leaked decision that has been made. And obviously, what this is this decision is not going to eliminate abortion; it will uh, return it to the states, which is where it is belong, where it belongs. Remember, we are a federalist country. Do you know what that means? Constitution says all powers not constituted or not directly given to the federal government are to be constituted by the states. And I can't, that's Article 4 or 5 of the, um, of the Bill of Rights. So keep that in mind. So it's going to turn, we think, turn this back to the states. Many states, unfortunately Virginia was one of them at one time. I think maybe hopefully that will be reversed, but uh, that would permit infanticide. So this is something that has gone on for thousands of years, not something new. Uh, and so again, when we talk about uh, the, the, the foolish wisdom, and I know that's an oxymoron, meant to be an oxymoron, that uh, uh, God used the savagery of Pharaoh to strengthen uh, his people. So eventually, verses 20 uh, and tw through 22 of chapter 1, therefore God dealt well with the midwives, okay? And the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God. Robbie and I were talking at lunch today about the fact, uh, in fact, the scripture says that there will come a time when there is no fear of God. And there will not be any fear of God unless there is the preaching and teaching of the word as it's presented to us. So these, and of course they didn't have the Bible. They didn't even have the book of Genesis at this time. But they feared God and he provided the households for them. Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son who is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alike. So we see what takes place here. Now, chapter 2, 
And this begins to set the foundation for the ministry of Moses, but not only the ministry of Moses, but the ministry of Aaron. And what stands out in the first verse that teaches us something about Moses and Aaron, their lineage? They are from the tribe of what tribe? Tribe of Levi. What do you know about the tribe of Levi? What do you know about the Levites? Yes. That was a priestly tribe. In fact, the Levites, the only tribe that did not have an inheritance in the land. So they got a raw deal. No, they didn't. The Lord told them that I am your inheritance. Uh, and they, <laughs> in many cases, they became very conniving. And if by the time you get to the New Testament, it was not unusual for the high priest and his cohorts, the Sanhedrin, to have taxes levied to the point that their estimated earnings even then could approach four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars two thousand years ago. So extremely wealthy. Uh, they connived to do it, however, and it in many cases brought down the wrath of God. So we find a man of the house of Levi took as his wife a daughter of the same tribe. So they began, they obviously did not marry across tribes and certainly didn't marry within uh, uh, the Egyptian people. Moses is born. And she managed to hide the child. Now remember, they're slaves. So their dwelling places were rudimentary at best. She manages to hide the child for three months. And those of you that are parents know that first three months of a child's life, they are anything but uh, controllable. They pretty much control you. So at the end of three months, there's a problem. It says, verse 3, she could no longer hide him. So obviously he was growing, and as he was growing, he's crying, and all of the things that come with being, being an infant. So she prepares for him uh, a, basically a crate that floats, and prepares it in such a manner. And apparently she'd done this before because we learned this from uh, verses 20 and 21. They, the midwives were prepared for this to, to protect the children as much as possible. And so they hide uh, Moses in, and we assume, it doesn't say that, uh, but we assume this is the Nile River. Um, and so... She, uh, she's head, uh, uh, rather he's head, and his sister, Yoshebed, or Yoshebed was his mother, rather, but his sister, Miriam, is watching what is taking place, okay? Uh, and that we see here in the verses 3 and 4, and no doubt uh, Miriam's mother, Yoshebed, and um, had told her to watch over Moses. Now, in... Verse 10, it says, The child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, she being Miriam, and he became her son, and so, or, or Yoshebed rather, so she called his name Moses. Now, we are not sure, but the way the language reads, Pharaoh's daughter named him, not his mother. And that happens to be 
uh, or that's the, the result of what takes place between verses 5 through 8. So Pharaoh's daughter, now Pharaoh probably had many daughters, but from the language, again, that it, uh, this daughter of Pharaoh is thought to be the principal daughter of Pharaoh. In other words, she would have been the oldest, she would have been the princess, she would have been the one that, uh, in fact, in Egyptian times, it was not unusual for the daughters to become ambassadors and receive individuals before they went to see uh, the Pharaoh. So she goes down uh, to, to bathe. And of course, this is a ritual. And uh, if you remember, I don't know if you've seen the Ten Commandments or not, but when Pharaoh's daughter goes down to bathe, there's this very elaborate structure that uh, is built down into the river. And that's probably what took place during this time. Now that's, again, conjecture. We don't know for sure, but she is Pharaoh's daughter. There is some wealth, so there was some, some uh, no doubt, some uh, preparation and, and the wealth would have been displayed as she prepares to bathe at the river. And it says, uh, her maidens walked along the riverside and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. All right, so what's going on here? Uh, so Yoshebed had fully entrusted her child to the providential care of God the Father. Now, we think today, when Stephanie was born, uh, that was 1975, so um, I was in a waiting room. When Megan was born, I was there in the delivery room. So in that five-year period, things changed. Uh, here, many, many years ago, uh, there were no doctors, and almost all children were, were birthed using midwives. In fact, that's still some practices today uh, employ uh, midwives. And so she sees the child, and she has compassion on him, and she recognizes that he is one of the Hebrew children. Now, how does she know this? What right had been, um, had been used on Moses being a male child that she knew this? Circumcision. Twelve days. This goes back to the Abrahamic covenant. So they continued to follow the Abrahamic covenant even while they were in e Egypt. And so she recognizes him. Obviously, uh, apparently the child was, uh, was naked. But in any event, she says this is one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister, Miriam, called to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew children? Next slide, if you would, brother. And being very uh, um, uh, shrewd, you know, Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, by all means. We, we need to have a, a wet nurse for the, for the baby, so go and find someone to do that. So she obviously went and called her mother. So she cho chooses Yoshebed. Yoshebed then is um, permitted. And, and whether or not the... The princess knows this. We're, we're never, the scripture doesn't really tell us. But um, 
perhaps she did learn after some period of time. Now, to disobey any commandment of the Pharaoh, even within his family, was uh, suitable for uh, execution. So Pharaoh's daughter uh, took her life into her own hands because of this. So Yoshebed comes, she becomes the wet nurse. The scripture says, um, I take this child away, nurse him, I will give you your wages. So not only is she the wet nurse, she is his mother, she is with him. He doesn't lack for uh, a maternal instinct, and he certainly doesn't lack for material instinct or material blessings. Um, and the, the faith that we see here, and I've entitled the study, God Makes His Name Known, uh, the Lord works in, in ways that are incredibly, incredibly um, sometimes very infinitesimal, very small. And this is one of those ways. Certainly we can see the expanse of the heavens. We've talked about that a number of times. We can see the grandeur of the, of the uh, geography. And, but most of the time, the work of the Lord is in small, inexplicable ways. And so if, when we look back at this and we think, would you would you uh, uh, would you allow your child or your, your grandchild to be in this particular situation? Oh, absolutely not. We would, oh, oh, but this was normal for them. And the child grew, verse ten, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And so she called his name Moses, saying, "Because I drew him out of the water." And that sort of lends us uh, that's a, a clue or a hint rather that. Pharaoh's daughter is the one that uh, uh, named him. Uh, third bullet up here is that uh, Moses' mother provided what she could, and she gave him up twice. She gave him up the first time, obviously, to set him afloat in the river. And then once she returned to be uh, his wet nurse, at some point she gave him up again. So she accepted. She didn't understand it. We don't, God does not give us an outline. He doesn't give us a procedure. But she trusted the, this child to the care of, uh, of Pharaoh's daughter. Um, he now is an adopted son of a princess, and he has all the privileges that come from being a prince. Where is Pharaoh during this time? Well, Pharaoh's usually in the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. The kings and those that were the potentates rarely had direct intervention with, with uh, immediate family. So he's off doing his thing. He's got folks that are coming in. I'll remember now they had, they had uh, 400 years, 300 to 400 years since the famine all these things were taking place. Egypt was, uh, at this point, the richest nation in the Mediterranean world, if not the world. So uh, the interesting thing here is that as Moses grows and uh, from verse 10 through verse 11 is a period of about 35, 40 years. 
So in just one fell swoop, and Moses is writing this, he doesn't cover the time that he grew up, doesn't cover his education, wasn't necessary. The point here is that he's God's prophet for this particular time. Um, we learn this from the book of Hebrews. So turn with me back to Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, lest he uh, who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, <clears throat> whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. <clears throat> so uh, I think that this is perhaps... Let's see, 8 through 12, 23 through 29. This is <clears throat> the second longest uh, passage after Abraham that is attributed to Moses and his faith. So he's born into a family that is a faithful family. And then he grows to become a faithful man. Now we, we see a part of that. We, we won't look at it tonight, but in, in verse 11 we start to see Moses, not so much the Moses that we know. <clears throat> this is the Moses that uh, doesn't want to be bothered. So he becomes a lot like many Christians today. I just don't want to be bothered. But the Lord had uh, obviously other, uh, other plans for him. Next slide, brother. <clears throat> So, we just read from Hebrews 11. Uh, when he came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter with all, of that in, all that that entailed. And as the son of Yoshebed, Moses learned faith. And <clears throat> as the son of a princess, he learned all of the um, earthly tools necessary to lead a million or so people through the... Um, uh, and the exodus through the wilderness. So he became a very learned man during this time, very educated, very skilled. He perhaps was, was trained. In fact, if he, he was uh, a prince, he would have been trained in, uh, in warfare. So he had all of these skill sets that the Lord used. And again, very, very small minor things. Mother said, hey, there's not much more I can do for him. Let's put him there in the river. Let's go back and forth and take care of him there. Um, and so he learned a multitude of languages in Pharaoh's court. Uh, when you think of 
educated individuals in the Old Testament or prophets that were educated. We know that Ezekiel was. He was a prince. We know that Jeremiah was. We know that Daniel was. But Moses is certainly one of them. So education is just a tool to be used to further the kingdom of God. And so when he became God's prophet or God's man, and we'll, we won't see that this evening. In fact, when we close this out, in chapter 2, we won't see it until we get to about chapter 5 because uh, the Lord appears to him on the, uh, at, really at Mount Sinai. He's on the backside of the desert. He's married now. He's spent 80 years without basically just being prepared. And then as an older man, he begins to lead the children of Israel. Any comments or questions on what we've covered this evening? A remarkable story. And, of course, Moses is writing this as uh, perhaps, obviously, during the, the journeys. But a lot of this he's no doubt reviewing just before he dies. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the grace of God that is seen in the, the, the preparation of Moses through many, many years, in the security that you provided to him, to his mother, to his sister. And we know that uh, as he uh, grew, he became um, a man that would be greatly used of you. In fact, we learn from the New Testament that uh, Moses and Elijah were the two great Old Testament prophets. And so we do pray, Lord, that uh, you would open our hearts and make us receptive as we continue to study this great book of yours. In Jesus' name we pray.